0: Lauren Paler and welcome to Currency Exchange in partnership with World Class. Brought to you by Diageo. World Class is a leading voice in cocktail culture, and exists to inspire people to care about what, where, and how they drink. There is a great opportunity to connect with stories of our past and in our present. There is little value in knowing our history if it is incomplete and narrated in an inauthentic way. Your voice has value, just like currency. And collectively telling our stories will play a vital role in changing the narrative. Now, let's introduce this week's episode. In episode 7 of Currency Exchange, I chat with Caitlin Stewart and James Grant. Caitlin Stewart is a global bartending champion. In 2017, she was the first Canadian to win the prestigious world class Global Bartender of the Year title. Since then, She has been traveling the world, giving seminars on spirits and hospitality, doing pop-up bars at some of the world's best bars, and judging international bartending competitions. Caitlin has been in the hospitality industry for 16 years, working at a variety of award-winning restaurants and bars. She has written countless cocktail menus and has consulted on several projects, both locally and internationally. Born in Melbourne to a military family, James spent his early years living all across Canada. Eventually settling in Alberta, James studied English and creative writing at the University of Alberta before going on to spend years working in communication and public relations. While living in London, James began working behind the bar and quickly fell in love with the hospitality industry. James returned to Canada and has worked at some of the best bars in Alberta eager to care for those at his bar, and always happy to make them feel welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Currency Exchange. Today, I am joined by James Grant and Caitlin Stewart from Canada, and I'm so honored to be able to speak with both of them today. Uh, James Grant is our newly crowned world-class global bartender of the year for 2021. And Caitlin Stewart has that very same title uh, for 2019. So I'm quite excited for the discussion that we have planned today, uh, the responsibility that we have as a community. Um, So I just want to start off by thanking you both for joining me.
1: Thanks for having us, LP.
2: Thank you, thank you. Hi.
1: This is so exciting. I know, it's so exciting.
0: It's going to be a wonderful conversation. Um, so, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk a little bit about the responsibility that we have as a community. Um, so, when Caitlin, James, and I were trying to figure out what we wanted to discuss, we thought that there was a lot of, um, you know, this reoccurring theme of responsibility that's often associated with success. And so, we have some good stuff planned for y'all um, for the next couple of minutes. Um, or within the hour, I should say. So I want to start off first by congratulating you, James, for um, for winning world class. Um, it's really amazing, amazing thing that you you know have been able to do. And and so, how does it feel to be the newly crowned world class global bartender of the year?
2: Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, and as for how it feels, it's uh, it's it's weird because it's kind of extremely overwhelming. And almost in, impossible to process. I'm sure Caitlin went through something similar where, you know, we're now two, three weeks out, um, it's tough to tell how long this time doesn't mean anything at all anymore. Um, <laughs> and I'm still kind of processing it. Like it, in my day-to-day life, it, it doesn't feel too much different other than maybe I have less stress than I've had at any point in my career, uh, cause I'm not yeah. looking towards the next competition or the next, you know, opportunity to try and like prove myself, now I can just bartend, which is actually like really relaxing and rewarding and pleasant. So yeah, it feels amazing. And it's also quite humbling and a privilege and a responsibility to now represent my community on the world stage.
0: Yeah, you know, I I just want to highlight this because I think if unless you've competed, it's really kind of difficult to understand that once you apply, you're basically doing world-class for an entire year and it's back-to-back challenges. And um, so it is a lot. Um, so it's really, really just inspiring to see all of y'all compete. And um, yeah, congratulations to everyone who was, uh, was a finalist and who competed this year. Um, I mean, okay, so this is, yeah, yeah.
2: I was just gonna say like, it, it until you actually see all 50 competitors and like what they're bringing like watching the the live stream and watching what other countries were doing and it it, it's difficult it's it's difficult to properly estimate the level of talent that's being brought to bear in that competition because yeah it's it's the best bartender from every country involved which is wild to think about so yeah yeah it's pretty humbling
0: it's inspiring i mean i think for for me and caitlin i'm interested in hearing what you have to say about this too when i was there it was like wow i have like so many things a list of things that i can certainly learn from each and every person in this room right now
1: oh 100 i mean that's you know lauren moat used to always say you don't have to win world class to win world class and i mean like you also can win world class i mean it feels pretty good I, I think James would agree, but, um, it's <laughs> yep, what you, it's, it it's what you, it's what you make of it. It's like, you get to, I mean, being, I, I got to do mine in Mexico city and I got to be submerged in like this amazing culture and, you know, getting to make drinks and mix drinks for my peers, but also people that I've looked up to, like in our bartending community is one of those things where you're like, wow, I can't believe I just served one san. Uh, you know a a drink or you know like there's just yeah it's pretty mind-blowing so you don't have to win world class to win world class and that's yeah you take everything from the experience you know I even when I was watching James compete watching him go through his challenges and then watching the other countries because it was all online I actually got to see way more than being in a room only getting to see the same like 10 people over and over again it's like, oh, I like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that next time I need to, you know, come up with a, an interesting, inspiring Scotch drink or whatever. Yeah. So you're always gathering little bits and pieces of information and adding them to your arsenal. That's why, like, the community of World Class in general is just like amazing and massive. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have my little notebook that I'm always like jotting ideas down. Yeah. In. Um, because you can take what somebody else did but make it your own, right?
1: Oh, totally. And it's like, you know, you meet people and that's what it's all about too. Right. And I'm I'm sure James, you know, he connected with, you know, a handful of people like really closely. And now he's got that in his back pocket, as I'm sure you have LP when you've like done it across like, you know, the States and even just doing across Canada and going around the world. It's like you meet all these bartenders and you connect with them. And now you have like a pal in like every city you go to to lean on for like, hey, where should I go eat and drink or who should I, uh, what should I be seeing? And you know, you always have that one person that you could be like, hey, I think I know somebody from Egypt. I'm gonna reach out and send them a message. <laughs> like, yeah, it's no. so random. When
2: you, when you talk yeah. about like not having to um, win world class to win world class, that's, I think that like, that's a big part of so many competitions that's really underestimated. I think when you're not in them is the like friendships that you forge like in such a short amount of time are so intense.
1: Ooh. so yeah the cars agree the it's, cars agree it,
2: it's like the I mean what's that that saying it's like there's no strangers in a foxhole it's like like you go through something like really difficult and like really hard alongside these other bartenders and you have this shared experience which which goes really deep so yeah yeah like you said like I now have these friendships that I made in a Facebook group and over like an Instagram live chat that are that feel you know, like these true deep friendships that'll last a long time, which is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I still, I'm still friends with all of my like 2017 competitors. Like we still like reach out and like connect with each other. And, you know, it's like, yeah, everybody's so supportive. That's what I love about it. It's, it's, yeah, it's truly a sense of community all around, which is incredible.
0: Yeah. Well, this is the second time that we're seeing a winner rise from Canada, right? So I'm wondering... There there must be a secret, but how did you both <laughs> respectively approach this competition? And and in what ways do you feel that community played a part in your success?
1: I think like James and I approached it um probably in like a very different way. Um, like in 2017, it was my first year competing for world class. It was the first, like first time I met James as well and like connected with him. And I only had to do it once, and I don't know how like you keep coming back for torture. So like after 2017, I got to watch James the next couple of years, like really grow and blossom as like a bartender and really like hone in on like being himself and like just yeah. showcasing himself as a bartender. So for me, I was like lucky one and done. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, thank goodness. Cause it's, it's, it's a difficult process, but I got to see like my community of bartenders across Canada, just like put me on their shoulders and just cheer me on through this like experience that I was going through that I thought was kind of a whirlwind. And to, to know that you have like your country backing you so like strongly is like one of the best feelings in the world. And to be there for James's journey was like one of the coolest things ever to like literally stand alongside him and like, you know run him through all of his you know his challenges again and again and again just making sure everything was like spot on it was a really cool experience to be able to do that like with him too and yeah just to watch him grow from like 2017 to 2021 it's like i was yeah i couldn't have been more proud of somebody to take home the global title let alone the canadian title so that was pretty rad
2: i think you really like you hit on like the two main things uh one I didn't even until you said it I like didn't even really think of the fact that like you were literally next to me like from the start of my world like you and I were on prep stations next to each other the first year we did world class
1: (laughs) oh yep
2: (laughs) so you've been like next to me all the way through the journey which is like crazy and and really wonderful to think about But the Two things that you hit on are are one, that idea of community. Uh, The fact that, you know, the the Canadian hospitality community is is relatively small um, in kind of the global context, but everyone kind of knows each other and everyone's extremely supportive of one another, even at the national level, like no one was like particularly cutthroat. All the bartenders were like, you know, tasting one another's drinks in the prep room, like giving each other feedback, like, each other's confidence which is great um and then once i made it to the national level you know we were i think in some ways very fortunate this year to be competing in toronto like we broadcast from toronto uh and to you know be able to go for dinner one night and you know every bartender wherever we were was like i know why you guys are here like you guys are doing this right now you're gonna crush it like good luck And, you know, we needed something like our, our close friend who came second place for the Canadian nationals, Jess Millie, her bar was like two blocks away. We could just like run there, grab stuff. So we had an entire country behind us. But the other thing that I think is really important that Kate touched on is that element of like being yourself. And I think like, Caitlin, one of the things I've always really respected about you is that you know who you are so clearly and are so confident in simply being yourself
1: sometimes well i mean
2: when it when it counts i guess it
1: counts there Uh, you go (laughs) but like
2: i don't know that was i think what resonated with everyone that first year at world class that you did it is that like you showed up and you were unapologetically yourself and basically gave the judges nationally and globally literally no choice
1: it's funny because it's like 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 you and
2: want you to be the winner
1: I feel like that was the, the naivety of, uh, of it all for me. And I, I'm glad that I only, like I said, I'm glad that I only did it once because I think I probably would have changed my mindset going into it a second time. But but again, like I said, you know, it's that, that community of that- like putting everybody together and, <laughs> and getting to know your strengths and weaknesses and having those people uh, go alongside uh, you along for the journey to, you know, say like, yes, you're doing this really well. Keep doing this because this is working for you. Um, that's super important. I don't know. I just think it's too many people want to compete in a sense of like, I'm going to keep my guard up. I'm going to keep all my trade secrets to me. And you know, I've got my horse blinders on and I'm not paying attention to anything going on. And like, that's totally fine. If that's the way, you know, you feel comfortable, like coming into this type of setting into a competition. But I think the Canadian program, especially is built around that aspect of we're, we're in this together to like, not just build ourselves up as individual bartenders, but build our community of Canadian bartenders up so we can reach that next level of recognition, you know, on a global scale, not just individually, but as as a country. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just want to well, point I
2: out, mean,
0: I know. Yeah.
2: No, no, I, I was just going to say, I was just going <laughs> um, to say like the, the one thing that like I learned year after year was that simple idea of like, the best way to approach these things is to simply learn how to be the best version of yourself, right? Like not what the judge, what you think the judges want, not what you think the brand wants, but like having their confidence to be who you are behind the bar, the other 350 days of the year. That's you as a bartender, so just do that.
1: And trust me, as a judge sitting on the other side, you can always tell when somebody's being genuine and when somebody's bringing their authentic self. And like, obviously the drinks are super important and like balance and, you know, inspiration that all comes into it, but what really drives it home and what really like, you know, sells the big picture is knowing that like, oh, I feel like I could be sitting at your bar right now and not just in like a presentation room being, you know, having a a presentation being done to them. Like, I feel like comfortable. I feel like I, I know you as a bartender and that I want to come back to this bar seat and sit here and have another drink with you time and time again. That's that sense of like genuine, like authentic. I love that. Just love it. Now do it
2: over a zoom call.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
0: Oh man. Yeah, no, I think that that proved to be very helpful for me. I think in the same way, Caitlin, you went in, I've only competed once and I ended up being top four and I was just myself, you know, I was like, Hey, I just started bartending. I had a whole career before this and I'm just, I want to show you what I'm all about. So this is why I encourage people who are so intimidated by it to just apply. Oh, totally. Yeah. Because if you are yourself and you're having fun with it and you're learning from everyone around you, you are going to be successful for sure. hundred
1: percent. I think James can attest to that too. Of like, the reason why I think he kept coming back is because that of like, oh, I learned so much the year before. I can't wait to learn whatever I'm going to learn this year doing it. And I always say that to people, like, you know, like you said, like, even if you don't, you're never going to have enough time. You're never going to feel ready. You're never going to feel good enough, but you don't give yourself enough credit because you being a bartender, you have to be resilient already to begin with. You know, having to deal with you know lots of different stuff being behind the wood, <laughs> and uh, have to multitask. So you know, coming back time and time again is it's it's only a benefit because you're going to learn something new and meet new people and make new friends and yeah, keep building that bartending community for yourself.
2: Accolades, I think, are are great and like prizes are great, trips are great. No one's ever going to complain about that, and they're wonderful. Yeah. But ultimately, the like growth that you do year over year, doing competitions like this, because you're pushing yourself past the limits of what you would normally do, and the ultimate beneficiary for that is your guests. Like you, you're developing these incredible drinks, you're learning new techniques, you're getting inspiration from people in your community, and you know, outside of the ten days a year that you might be doing competitions, you're behind the bar, so. The people that are benefiting from this inspiration and knowledge and development are the people who matter the most, which are your guests. So I think in that sense, like, yeah, anyone that is a bartender should try to compete at least once and just see how they grow. Like I think about something uh, Charles Jolie said, where he's like, you know, you don't really learn anything from the competitions you win. I don't know if that's 100% true, but you learn a lot from the competitions you lose, I right? agree 100 like, yep. I don't know. I did, 2017, Caitlin did incredibly, and I did <laughs> phenomenally badly. I did so badly, uh, but I came back the next year probably with like the most growth of in a single year that I've ever had.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it at all. That's what's so awesome about it. Um, Awesome, so my next question for both of you. Um, so this is a topic that I th- I've been discussing a lot this last year, um, but it's the responsibility that we have as leaders to ensure that essentially we put our money where our, money where our mouth is, right? So you both have interests and in hobbies and topics that you discuss or take interest in outside of bartending that are important to you. So what are some of those things? And then additionally, how are you able to find a balance between advocating and fighting for what's right, you know, taking advantage of these hobbies that you enjoy, um, understanding what influence you have while navigating everything else in the bar world, because you're bartenders, but you're also people, right? So how do you
1: balance all of that stuff? I don't know if James wants to go first on this one or not, but.
2: Yeah, Um I mean it's 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 one of those things that uh, you know I think a lot of us come to this industry and stay in it when you get to a certain level, uh, because of a certain element of altruism in our personality. Like ultimately our job is to care for people and look after them and be of service. And I think that often extends to our interests, our political leanings, the way we see the world. And so you know once you win something like this and you have the capacity and the platform to speak to those things and and engage with them i think yeah like for me like things that are really important to me is you know like seeing uh more equitable industry around me like seeing like a higher degree of equality and, and seeing an industry that is more aware of you know the incremental costs I live in a very beautiful part of the world and I'm very fortunate to do that. You know, I occupy now a, a real tradition of privilege in my industry and in society as a whole, um, and trying to leverage that for people around me that don't necessarily enjoy the same amount of mobility. One of the things that I found really rewarding about world class this year was working with Kettle One to put together Uh, programming to directly benefit my community so like I think you know in any city that we live in like the city I live in is a working class city it's kind of hard to live in uh, and there's not a lot of social services so like looking at that and like realizing that I have a responsibility to help wherever I can not necessarily just behind the bar um, you know I try to this is a very long-winded answer but I just like if I see a problem I try to help fix it like and I think that's just something that is natural to people that work in our industry. And
1: it's called hospitality for a reason, I guess, right? We always try to be hospitable, like wherever we can. But I think for myself, like being being the second, like female to win world-class, like Jennifer paved the way to kind of break this chain of you know male dominance in, in the world-class winners. And Jennifer kind of just snuck in there and was like, bam, here I am. Um, and then to have, a second female winner like back to back was like it really solidified i think like women bartenders or non even non binary bartenders who you know somebody who just you know isn't that cis male uh that w- of dominance and so for me i was like super stoked that i could kind of continue that like that uh that continue the role of you know really bringing, you know, like women or even the LGBTQ plus IA community to the forefront of like, hey, yeah, like we're here. I mean, me, I'm like, I'm here. I'm queer. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to rock this. But I mean, Jennifer too. But uh, and then having Banny come in there too. And it's just like, for me, it's really important to have that representation of like, you know, yes, like women bartenders are rad. There's a lot of amazing ones across this this globe. And like, you know, like yourself too, LP, like it's like, there's so many like awesome people who should definitely get recognition for what they're doing. And I love to see that it's slowly starting to like really come about. Um, I mean, it's, it's still a male dominated industry, which is, which is great, but bit by bit, we're chipping away kind of at that, uh, men versus women versus, you know, everything else in between. So for me, it was really important to like you know, anytime I would go traveling, anytime I would, you know, do a guest shift behind a bar was just really re- represent again, who I was unapologetically. Um, and then also give back to my like queer community. So anytime I could, you know, hop on something during pride month, or even outside of that, and I could get a like a brand to sponsor like Don Julio, just, you know, last month helped me out with um, matching donations for pride month, to for one of our uh, LGBTQ plus IA charities here in Canada and they donated $5,000 and I was like blown away that you know I could get a brand, like a, a substantial brand like Don Julio to get behind me and also get in on that. So anytime I can kind of include that into anything I'm doing, I'm going to because it's everything I do is related to LGBTQ plus IA community, cause that's who I am. Um, so anytime I can kind of, you know, bring that into focus, I definitely will. And even on a global stage, you know, uh, not everybody is as lucky as, as us, uh, James and I living in Canada, you know, like we have marriage equality, we have, you know, there is still some struggles, but like we have a lot more um, going on for us here in Canada in terms of the LGBTQIA community than a lot of other countries. So hopefully I can inspire some other bartenders or, you know, people who, or consider themselves amongst that community to like get out there, be themselves on unapologetically and know that they have somebody in their corner rooting for them. Cause I want to be that person to be like, you know what, be yourself. And if that means, you know, you, you, you want to like sing, you know, show tunes on top of the bar while bartending hell yeah, I will be there for every single service cheering you on. Like, I love it. So I I try to incorporate that into, you know, into my everyday uh, life and, travels around the world.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, so I think the reason I wanted to ask this question was primarily because what I realized happened with me is when I got to a point in my career where the bartending aspect was honed in to an extent, I could really lean into all of those other things that matter to me and like (laughs) spread that love and joy and just information within the food and beverage sector. So. And we see it and we appreciate it
1: so much, honestly, like like, yeah, it's, we, we see the efforts that you put in on a daily, even starting a podcast like this and just, you know, just focus on health in general. It's just, it's really cool to see, yeah, you know, a bartender like yourself come and in, stepping into your light and using your platform for not just, uh, you know, some, some singular thing, but a multitude of things. So we love to see it. Yeah. Well, I love
2: y'all. Most of the time, like all I try to like do, like, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think that there's like a great deal of, of stuff that like myself is like us that white man in North America necessarily can like bring to a lot of these conversations, but you know, all I can really try to do that has the most change in my view is like leveraging the platform I have and like hiring people that don't look like me, mentoring like BIPOC, LGBTQ plus like individuals and just being like, you go do these things. Like you have a perspective and a voice and it's in a lot of these conversations, Significantly more valuable than mine, so I just try and like use that platform to like assist people that are, you know, more directly engaged. Well, everyone's directly engaged in it, but just like the people that should have a seat at the table, like yeah, make make room.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. Um, yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so, what are some ways in which we can continue to keep important and relevant conversations? such as these um, on a global level, because I think each of the things that you're talking about respectively um, are are, are ways in which you have made impacts or can impact in your communities, whether that is in your respective cities in Canada, but you both are globally recognized, right? So in what ways can you see you know, the, the, I guess the multitude of opportunities that you may potentially have to have these conversations on a global level. This is really, honestly, the reason why I started this podcast, because I was like, you know, we're all kind of um, leaning into these issues in our communities, but how do we talk about ways in which we can really make an impact on a global level?
1: And it's, it's awesome too, because like for yourself, like getting new voices involved, right? It's, we, there's a ton of amazing community leaders out there in our industry on a global level, but, you know, it's like, there is like a cycle of the same, you know, like 20 people that kind of, you know, kind of hold it all for us. So any chance, any chance we can bring in new voices, fresh opinions, um, you know, all of that, it's super important. So, like you said, like, when you asked if we wanted to do this podcast with you, I was like, hell yeah, 100%, because I respect your voice so much, because I think you have such a fresh, new perspective on like our industry. And I can see the work that you're, you've, you're putting in to like, really hold whole uphold it and, you know, bring new questions to the table. And, you know, it's awesome. I love that. So for myself, and I think maybe James is, he'll, he'll start to feel this because he's just, just the brand new winner. Um, but again, for myself, I'm like on my platform on social media, uh, my presence, you know, you, when you do win world-class, a lot of eyes all of a sudden are on you (laughs) and people are watching what you're doing and, you know, you're going to please some and you're going to not please others. Um, but again, I think it's really important that you, you stand in what you believe in and you stand in your, yourself. Um, and sometimes like you said, sometimes you're going to, you know, ruffle some feathers, but if, if it's something you truly believe in, and if it's something that is authentically you, that's very important. And it's so whether I post, like I said, whether I post on my social channels about, you know, social justice issues um, about the LGBTQ plus community. Like you said, I'm going to lose followers. I'm going to gain followers, but I know that for myself, that's something important that I always like to try to keep alive in my social presence um, and wherever I go. And so, I think James will will start to start to feel that and see that too as he kind of continues on this journey because it's pretty brand new for him. But it's it does it gets gets a bit daunting. I mean, my favorite part after winning world class is, you know, I'd check my inbox message and it would be, you know, a bartender from the middle of nowhere uh, reach out and say like, thank you so much for everything you're doing. You're so inspiring. Like, I, I, you know, I got into bartending after you won because, you know, you, you, you proved that, you know a a girl can do it and, or whatever, like all these different things. And to me, that just like, is so heartwarming and I'll answer back and then they get even more excited. They're like, oh my God, I can't (laughs) believe you answered me. And I was like, I'm just a regular person, but like, I can't like for myself, I can't get out of that mindset of like, I'm nobody. I'm just Joe Schmo here in Vancouver. But to some people, you know, like, like I idolize, you know, like Ivy and Lynette, like, you know, I consider them friends now, but like, you know, I hold them up here on this pedestal that the first time I reached out to them and got a response, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I love this. You know? And so the fact that like, now we get to, James and I get to be those people for, for others. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you responded. I'm like, I'm nobody. And I was like, well, actually, no, I have to stop saying that because I am somebody to someone out there. And that's pretty cool, and that's uh, that's the best thing.
2: You're Caitlin Stewart. I actually still am nobody. So
1: <laughs> no, no, no. You you will quickly, no, quickly realize that that your name now holds a little bit a little bit more weight than what it used to.
2: Yeah, like you. I think you, you took on like the the one thing that I'm starting to notice the most is just like yeah, the ability to like take the spotlight that's sort of been put on me and like try as much as I can to just like redirect it like wherever I think it will do the most good. Um, I mean, the nice thing about uh, world-class and and kind of the platform it gives you, I find is like, you know, you're not necessarily really beholden to like being a specific person. Like you look at the 12 global winners, like we're all extremely different people. So yeah, like, for me, like, I am easily from the smallest market. I still feel like I'm just like a weird, like, like, scrappy kid that used to play in like, punk bands. And now all of a sudden, I'm like, on the world stage. Uh, But that just means that, like, that is what I can kind of try and like leverage. Like, there are are social issues here in the city or in Canada as a whole that, like, I want to talk about. And yeah, like, there's a certain degree of interpolation where like that message is going to find its audience and the people that don't necessarily want to listen to it, I don't know, get lost. I don't care. (laughs) If they listen to to that message and like it, it prompts like a thoughtful conversation or like it prompts them to think about it, like, and change an opinion on something great. If not, then they're not really necessarily someone I wanted in my.
0: I agree. I agree 100%. I love that. I love that your interests are so different, but very similar. Um, Because I think it's important to stand, stand your own ground, be, you know, in passion and advocate for the the things that matter to you. Be open to any, you know, any critiques that come along the way to make yourselves better people and then go from there. Like, that's really all you can do. You can't really ask for much more than that, right?
1: Yeah, you can't please them all, unfortunately, right? So you gotta, you gotta be happy with the, with the ones that you do, you know, resonate with. You have to be happy with yourself at the end of the day. So, yeah, yeah.
2: I think one thing that like, I don't know if you guys, I assume you have had these conversations. I mean, I think we all have these conversations uh, in the industry, but it's just like the idea that, you know, everyone, you can tell who hasn't worked in the service industry and like, it would be beneficial I think for everyone to work in the service industry like a year of their life, because it, it exposes you to such a broad diversity of individuals and such a cross-section of society, you come away from it with an appreciation of differing perspectives and a greater respect for everyone around you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if we can somehow impart that experience to our guests or people around us, like that in and of itself is like one of the greatest opportunities that we have given the platform that world-class gives us in this, this role.
0: I agree. Yeah. 100%. All right. So I have one more question for both of you. It's my favorite question to ask. Um, so both of you being in Canada, I'm curious as to if you could eat or drink anywhere. And I know the world is slowly reopening. Um, so this question may not be as relevant as was before, (laughs) but if you could have a drink or a meal anywhere in Canada, where would it be? And what would it be?
1: Ooh, I mean, that answer is pretty easy for me. (laughs) <laughs> um, my our our very first Canadian world class winner, Jenner Cormier owns. This is
2: exactly my answer. Yeah,
1: him and his wife own the most amazing restaurant in Halifax in Nova Scotia, called okay. Bar Kis- It's called Bar kismet and the food is chef's kiss. It is like mm. the best meal I've ever had. I've eaten there maybe three or four times now. Anytime we go to Halifax, we always stop by there, but. It is probably the best food I've ever had in North America. It's like freaking Annie Jenner's wife is the chef and is just amazing. They like use lots of local stuff, uh, lots of local seafood. And, you know, obviously they have an amazing cocktail program, an amazing wine program. It's just, it feels like home when you go there and it's, yeah, I would kill to go and eat at Bar Kismet right now. (laughs) I love that. Get me to the East coast.
2: I mean, yeah, it's exactly the same answer with the with the exception that I've never been. Um, I've never had the opportunity to go to Halifax. I it's the city I've wanted to go to the most in Canada for years. I've had like four trips to Halifax all through in the last like three years. Um, But yeah, like um, knowing Jenner, uh, knowing the team that he has, they're like some of the warmest, kindest, most hospitable people I've ever met, and. I, it's the only place that I would go to spit and have a drink if uh, if I had the opportunity to go one spot. So yeah, Bar Kismet, by a mile.
0: I'll meet you there. I'm here for it. LP, you it. wanna I'm meet us? I'm on the east coast. East
1: coast. LB, come it. come meet us up. We'll we'll all do a we'll do a a calendar invite for uh, Bar Kismet in Halifax. <laughs> we'll see you guys Don't
0: there. tempt me. I'll do it. We'll make it happen. I'm Perfect. I'm down. I need a good meal. I'm here for it. Love it. Um, that's amazing. Man, my mom just started ordering because I was like, I would love a really good slice of pizza from New York, <laughs> which uh, is probably mm-hmm. I could not yeah. as good as that meal at no, all. No, <laughs>
1: but still though, like that's that's a different, that's a different kind of like craving, you know? It's like I could really go for like, yeah, like a like even like a criff dog at like PDT. I was like, give me yes. like a sloppy hot dog right now. I would be so excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I love that.
0: All right, y'all. So you know the routine. We always do a cocktail that's inspired by the conversation. Mm. Um, Caitlin and, and James um, caught on to what spirit I'd be using for this <laughs> episode. Uh, so we're going to do a Crown Royal Old Fashioned. Mm. So we'll do two ounces of Crown Royal, two dashes of plum and root beer, bitter sling bitters, one dash of Angostura bitters, and then a quarter ounce of a rich maple syrup because what other way to make this, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, so that Newari strain of a big cube, and garnish with a lovely orange peel. Hell yes. Yeah,
1: I want one yeah. right now. Yeah, what's up? I would do the do the the crown royal, crown royal harvest rye. That would be a, a nice for this way. Yeah, I'm here for
0: <laughs> it. Hell yeah! Awesome. Well, <laughs> I appreciate Canadian. you both. Being... Yeah, no, it sounds great. Honestly, I, man, crown royal is the only Canadian whiskey I've ever had. <laughs> Um, I might be biased (laughs) but um but yeah I know it definitely like like, yeah
2: underappreciated category like yeah like awesome and well you know we don't get it
0: we don't get a lot of um requests for it here so it's always nice to have Crown royal every bar I've actually worked at has had Crown royal which is lovely so it's always nice to have you know a, a bottle that you can, that you know is a good product and that you can put in a, any cocktail and it's delicious, right?
1: You know it, a rye ginger, it's the Canadian way. There you go. Brown <laughs> <a little> ginger. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I appreciate you both
0: for joining me today. Um, this conversation was amazing. It's fruitful. James,
1: it was really nice to get to know you better. Caitlin, always it's My to pleasure. You. Love thanks for having it. me on. I, I love this. Hey. This is gonna, this has started my morning off. Fantastic seeing both of your lovely faces. So thanks I for having it. us, LP. Yeah, and your pup looks so peaceful. I just had to point <laughs> that out. She's still sleeping behind me. She's, she knows that it's <laughs> breakfast time. She's going to wake up any moment now.
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, I hope that you both have a great day. Thanks for joining me.
2: We
1: will. Cheers. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Lauren.
0: Thank you for listening to the Currency Exchange Podcast. To learn more about Currency Exchange, World Class, or Diageo, visit fohealth.org backslash currency-exchange-podcast.